Thanks again for tuning into the Glittercast. I'm your host, professional psychic and witch, Renee Watt. Today I have with you a living vampire, Father Sebastian, and we get talking about what it means to be a vampire. And I'm going to have to have him back because there are so many questions that I didn't even get to ask. So I hope you enjoy and perhaps you'll learn something about psychic vampires, modern vampires, and what that looks like in our in our modern society. Here today with Father Sebastian. Welcome to the Glitter Cast. I'm so excited to talk to you today. We're gonna have. I feel like I'm already overstimulated about all the things I want to ask you about. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good like vampire laugh, which I guess adds up because you practice vampire witchcraft. You've called it, yes. Well, yes. But the thing is, is I actually am competing in the international villains laugh, diabolical laugh competition. Really? So, yeah, I just made that up. So, um, <laughs> I'm like, I, I believe I, you instantly. I'm like so gullible. <laughs> it's my vampire glamour charming you. <laughs> yes. Yes. I want to hear more about that. How did you get into, sure. how is that? How? I just tell me your origins, please. My origins is I was a soccer playing, baseball, normal, well-adjusted kid in New Jersey. Um, I was born in California, but my parents forcefully moved me to New Jersey when I was one year old. Okay. So I always was called as a kid the surfer boy because everybody knew I was from San Diego. And then I, my mom and dad got divorced, which was a really dark time for me. Mm-hmm. Um because, you know, the kids the kids that, you know, I'm sharing a little bit of my deepness right up front. Um, I was always scared of my parents getting divorced, and that traumatized me. So I got into the occult. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, so I was like, yeah, I'm just going to go hang out with these witches down the street and um, go dark and, you know, everything like that. But I've always been into the dark side of things. Right. I've always thought that the, I was never scared of Halloween was my holiday. Yeah. Totally. Oh my God. And I was always the evil. I would like, I would always play the evil Luke Skywalker before there were Sith. Um, and I, uh, I was always fascinated by the darkness and magic and the occult. And I, uh, I, I, I joined a Wiccan coven when I was 14, experimenting with that. I played Dungeons and Dragons. So, you know, you got magic in there. Um, and I, uh, role-playing games were such an important part of my mental exercise because you can, you can, like science fiction, you can create a fantasy world where you can exercise and experiment with ideas. Right. And so I got introduced to the occult and through Wicca and, you know, uh, through the, uh, uh, role-playing games like Vampire the Masquerade and, and Dungeon Dragons and stuff, which are, I still love to this day right um but what happened was <clears throat> excuse me i was always drawn to the vampire and i remember my mom telling me one time that the uh this this amazing woman by her, the name of ann rice was having her books made into a movie called interview with the vampire and tom cruise was losing weight and brad pitt was going to be in it and Antonio Banderas, and i'm like Mom, they're my favorite actors. Oh. And I was like 13. And it took them like four or five years to put the movie together. But the, the thing is, is that uh, I, the fangs were something that I, I, I started dating my first werewolf girlfriend. Okay. She's a werewolf, witch, and vampire. Okay. Okay. This is before anybody identified this stuff. Back in the 90s, early 90s, the vampire community was very embryonic. It was, there, there was only Vampire the Masquerade role-playing games and the, the real vampires, uh, the vampires with a Y, the psychic vampires, the sanguinarians, would use the Vampire the Masquerade LARPs, live-action role-playing games, 
as kind of a front right. to uh, network. It was a masquerade. It literally was a masquerade. Yeah. Okay. And Vampire the Masquerade as a phenomenon is very interesting because it did something to role playing games and storytelling. Okay. It first, it was, it came out in 1991 and it did something amazing. Girls, women, real live girls. <laughs> okay. Like real females would play a role-playing game. Right. Because it wasn't social death for them. Right. Okay. All right. So a lot of people think it's the misogyny that kept role-playing games to be only boys. Okay. What it was, was that the girls were keeping them from role-playing themselves for role-playing. You would have loved to have some chicks at your Dungeons and Dragons table. Hell yeah. I would love to have my mom at my Dungeons and Dragons table. (laughs) Okay, I would love to have my grandma. I mean, I was like, you guys are missing out. But Vampire the Masquerade romanticized the role-playing games and created a gateway for not to be social death. We wanted the costumes. We wanted the costumes. Let's be real. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. The things in the costumes. So um, I was like, and today girls are like, yeah, the boys would keep us out. I'm like, no. It was your fellow cheerleaders that would like totally patronize you if you got involved in, in a, like if you were in a social elite in high school, okay, mm-hmm. like the jocks and the cheerleaders, and you played Vampire the Masquerade, it was questionable. Right. But if you played Dungeons and Dragons, your social life was over, done. You were a geek and that was it. Okay, so the, the peer pressure amongst the women Okay, kept the role playing games, but Vampire the Masquerade changed it. It also changed the vampire genre completely. Okay, okay? because what it did was it took everything before it, brought it together into the same universe, and then amplified it tenfold. Right. So it man, it kind of manifested in a lot of ways. It did, and Vampire the Masquerade. A lot of role players and vampires are like. You know, a lot of lifestyle vampires like, ew, you play Vampire the Masquerade. Bullshit. Vampire the Masquerade, you wouldn't be wearing things and, and being a vampire right now if in the same format as if Vampire the Masquerade didn't come around. It was the greatest contribution to the vampire mythology. More than Dracula or Anne Rice. What would you consider like a lifestyle vampire to be like? Okay, so there's as many definitions of vampires in the vampire community as there are. Vampires. Mm-hmm. Okay. Everybody's got a version and then they debate and stuff like that. So what I did was I drew a line in the sand. Okay. And I said, you want to hang out here? You got to know. You don't have to agree with. You have to know the black veils. Okay. And the black veils were our, our teaching little blurbs. Okay. To kind of think of them as apps. Mm-hmm. Okay, there can be an infinite number of them. And they're grouped into what's called pillars. Okay, each pillar is a thing. Like you have social dynamics, um, then you have uh, solvency, you have um, creative dynamics, you have creative uh, black veil. And the black veil started as a culture in a nightclub. So without getting into the metaphysical mumbo jumbo, okay, I had a life changing experience on the 17th of August, 1995. Okay. Okay. And if you've ever seen the movie Party Monster with yes. Macaulay Culkin and Seth Green, okay, there was a guy that was in the office with me alone late at night, and that was Michael Alec, the character that Macaulay Culkin played. Mm-hmm. And I was in a church at 20th Street and 6th Avenue called Limelight. And I was running Vampire the Masquerade games there. And I walked out into the back. Michael Alec went down the stairs, okay, and I was alone in this building. And I heard whisperings of a word. Now, I'm not going to repeat the word here, okay, but that word changed the vampire genre forever, okay? And what it was was the tipping point when role-playing games and fantasy, the, the perception of vampires was able to begin anew. Okay, and that people who identify as vampires, 
could come out. Right. Very much like how the stats say, come out, come out wherever you are. Or in True Blood, they drop the thing. In real life, vampires could come out. I remember a couple weeks before, I was at a session with a woman named Viola Johnson. She was like the, she was a public, she was she's a gay, submissive, lesbian, black Jewish woman. Okay. Okay. And she's like the most charismatic human I have ever met in my life. Okay. She is a powerhouse of charisma and quality of character and decency, but she's a vampire. Okay. And she's like, I've got every prejudice against me, but my vampire side lets me overcome all of those social problems. Aww. Okay. So, I mean, a black, lesbian, submissive, overweight Jew. Okay. And she was the most respected woman I've ever encountered in my life. By, by, like, you could put her in a room with a KKK member and she'd glamour them and, like, freaking they'd be a best friend. <laughs> that's impressive. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the testimony to the concept of the vampire's hypnotic abilities. So, okay. When you're talking about, you know, being identifying as a vampire, I know that, you know, this is even true for people who are witches, that there's the Hollywood sort of visual of what that means Mm -hmm. and then there's the reality of it so what do you think it means it sounds like it's you know when you're saying hypnotic and you're you know you talk about like psychic energies and stuff like that like it almost sounds like it's a way in which you like carry your own energy but I'm curious sort of like how you would differentiate the two especially because I very I don't know very much about this subculture at all so I'm just really fascinated to know what the sort of point of view is so when I came into the vampire community, I learned, I came in through vampire role playing and I had encountered, um, a, a gentleman at the New York Renaissance fair when I was 14 and it, I call him Dimitri. That's not his real name. Okay. okay. But it's, it's to protect his, his legacy. Okay. Dimitri gave me some books called the vampire Bibles and I thought they were full of shit. They were 30 page Xerox copies from this organization called the temple of the vampire. And I thought they were like cuckoo. All right. And that organization was founded in 1989. And they talk about the apocalypse and vampires and ruling the world and stuff like that. But that was the first esoteric system that I was ever encountered. Now they're, they're probably one of the more advanced organizations, but they're not about the community. They're not about the culture, okay? They're about astral projection and energy work and and self. It's like a university for vampires. Okay. So, Dimitri kind of groomed me to when I turned 18 because you're not allowed to teach minors. Like, you can't include minors in the vampire community. It's just forbidden. Okay? Just like an interview with a vampire, you don't make them young. Yeah. Okay? If you are one day shy of 18, and you court someone into the vampire culture inappropriately, you are you're blacklisted. Got it. Okay. Minors are off limits. Okay. So instead, we teach them Buddhism and Wicca and Reiki and energy work. We give them the foundations that can bridge over. Okay. But... We don't say you can be a vampire at 16. And I have people go, I have a blood fetish. I get like 14-year-old girls and guys going, I need to drink blood. I'm like, no, you don't. There's no scientific evidence whatsoever that you need to drink blood. Right. Okay. Psychological or everything. So the types of vampires are generally divided by the way that they interact. So you have three base versions. You have energy vampires. You have lifestyle vampires, and you have blood vampires, okay. sanguine, thigh, and lifestyle. Okay. To me, that's extremely limited because I'm a lifestyle, and I, I, am, I am a sang, okay, which means I have cravings to drink blood. Mm-hmm. Okay. It is something that is magical. It is something that is um, spiritual. It is something that is philosophical cultural and symbolic for me. Okay. But there's one caveat. It's fucking dangerous. Right. (laughs) 
okay, it's dangerous. Right. You can get hepatitis C, you can get hepatitis B, you can get syphilis, you can harm someone if you do it improperly. And the legal reasons, it's cannibalism. Oh, yeah. I never thought about that. Yeah. Blood is the life. I mean, you and, and then you get the images of these young teenage kids cutting each other with scalpels and, and like doing everything. And to me, trivializing right. humans is the worst thing you can do. You don't trivialize them as food when it's probably the most sacred act a human can do is consume the energy of another human. Right. Okay. There is no more sacred act. If the people that I have taken from, which I haven't done in 15 years. Okay. Okay. I still have the cravings, but I've found energy work. Right. And that replaces it for you? Well, it supplements that, it yeah. on a higher level. Like when, like there are gatherings of, I don't like, call, I don't like calling it feeding. I like calling it gathering. Mm-hmm. Okay. There is forms of gathering energy that have blown my mind. Okay. And it, the, my first experience, I've done it before. Okay. So, you know, when you go to a concert or a, or a shopping mall or a sporting event, or a political rally, you feel that energy. Yeah, you're all amped up and you can't sleep and you're wired and the endorphins, I get That's it. feeding. Okay. That's feeding. Yeah. Okay. But there's a whole multitude of other types of feeding. You can do it visually. You can do it um, through, like, I can feed through the internet on people. Mm-hmm. Okay. But the thing is, is that where is it parasitic? Where is it predatory? And where is it ethical? That's what I'm wanting to okay. know because... So as a, for me as a psychic and as someone who, de- who deals with, you know, I don't, I don't know if the concept of energy vampire to me means the same thing to you, because I think that there are people who kind of like drain the energy of others without being aware of it. And I yes, just, there are yeah. They're called psychic vampires. Yes. Okay. Psychic. Okay. Vam- yeah. Okay. okay. So energy vampire and, and psychic vampire are different. No, they're not. Okay. <laughs> But the thing is, is it's about the intent and the way it's done. Okay. It's not what you do. It's how you do it. Okay. Now, here's the thing. All right. I, I try to live an eco-varian lifestyle. Okay. Where it's very confusing for some people. Because I live pretty much as a vegan. Mm-hmm. But I have no problem eating meat that I kill myself. Uh, yeah, I respect that, actually. Okay. And I try to do it humanely. Of course, I'll, I'll slip and I'll be like, I need an oyster. Oh, my God. I'm addicted to oysters. Okay. <laughs> and I feel horrible about it, but I love it. Okay. You know, and it's about the ethics of doing it. Right. Okay. You are on the top of the food chain as a human being. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you're an omnivore. Now, you're not supposed to eat meat every day. Okay. You're supposed to eat meat maybe twice a week. Yeah. I'm a veg- I've been a vegetarian since I was 10, but yeah, just in general for people. Yeah. yeah. I mean, for our health, okay, being a vegetarian is, is okay. All right. But being a vegan is a modern invention and it's a bougie luxury. Yeah. I was that for eight years and I stopped, but it's, you're totally right. It's a bougie luxury. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. And and we are going to become vegans eventually because it's just environmentally the right thing to do. And yeah. ethically, we don't, we do not need to eat animals to survive anymore. Yeah. And so all of these things are thought patterns that we use. So psychic vampires are the woman in the nursing home who's miserable. And she just drains the nurses. Right. Okay. It's that, that negative old gay guy. Okay. Who's just complaining and whining all the time. Okay. It's the, um, the, the annoying friend that just won't stop guilting. You. Yeah. Okay. Or asking for your advice and never taking it and coming to you with the same issue over and over again. <laughs> Correct. And yeah. psychic vampires, come in all shapes and sizes 
they don't identify as vampires, like lifestyle vampires usually. Right. Okay. And they're parasites on our culture. How do you, how do you recommend protecting yourself against it? Cause I have my own ideas. How do you recommend protecting yourself against a psychic vampire? Well, um, there's the unfortunate book, Psychic Self-Defense, which is a really good recommendation. Yes, I have it. Um, and, okay. Um, I'm published by Wiser Books. Okay. My book, Sanguinomicon and Vampire Magic. We're coming out with a hardcover edition this fall. Cool. Called Vampire Magic, the Sanguinomicon. Now, this is a this is a hardcore book. It's about a vampire religion called Strigovai. Not all the, the act of vampirism is energy work. Shugavai is an actual witchcraft pagan tradition that is inspired and is a resurrection of an old tradition that Dimitri taught me, okay, called living vampire witchcraft, okay, and the, uh, the sugar, we're, we're actually establishing tomorrow is, we're filing the paperwork to become a legal church. Oh, that's cool. So... But we're gonna we're gonna run it in a different way than a normal church. We're gonna run it like a university, so you can graduate. Oh, cool! Imagine a religion you can graduate because the thing is, is people change and shape shift and, and evolve. Okay, yeah. and I want them to have a three year training period in the outer levels of this of this religion. Okay, that will let them focus on it, and then when they graduate and become adept, they can either go up in the in the inner circle and become a part of the priesthood, or what they can do. All right, is they can just move on and go do something else. Mm-hmm. And we have people of all sorts of traditions. We have Buddhists and Jewish people and Catholics and and pagans and and everything like that. So, but let's get back to psychic vampires because yeah. psychic vampires are especially the unawakened ones, just like. They don't know how to control their energy. Now there's ethical psychic vampires who are like, I've got this energy deficiency. I need to feed. Okay. But you got to put them in their place. Like I have a good friend. All right. She's a side vamp. She's an ethical side vamp. And I'm like, oh, we'll, we'll call her Kimmy. I'm not going to call her out. It's not my place. Yeah. All right. And I'll, I'll go, Kimmy, knock it off. Okay. <laughs> You've taken enough spoons for the day. Okay. I love you to death. But I need a, I need a, I need a timeout. Right. Okay. So you sense it. All right. And yeah. My, my elbows as an energy sensitive, my elbows and my knees ache and my head becomes foggy and I get very quiet. Okay. Because sometimes you can't avoid side dance. Right. Okay. But the best way is to call them out on it and go, Hey, Kimmy. You're beating too deeply on me. Yeah. Knock it off. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then she'll go, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And then she'll, for a little while, she'll knock it off. Okay. And then she'll come back. So- and she'll keep doing it. So you got to consistently remind her to calibrate. Right. Okay. But the thing is, she's not always feeding. Okay. Because there are times where she's high on life. And like, she's unemployed right now. Mm-hmm. And she's just like, she has no focus. Okay. But when she's employed and she's rocking it, she's the most professional, most organized person I've ever met. And she's a lovely person. So psychic vampires are not always this bad, evil thing. They just are what they are. Right. Okay. You know, it's a toad and a scorpion story. Mm-hmm. You let the scorpion on the back of a toad and he stings you halfway through the river. You just got to know how to handle it. <laughs> and, and you know, like what we do in the shadows with Colin Robinson, the other vampires just know how to put Colin in his place. They right. got to consistently remind her, Colin, knock it off. Right, 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 right. Okay. So the, uh, the ethical psychic vampires, like my friend Kimmy, okay, are fully aware of what they're doing. And when you, when you, when you have, they have their awakening, okay, and you call them out on it for the first time, they go, you're a side man. You need to manage your shit, okay, or we can't have as much fun. Cause you know the analogy of spoons, right? Uh-uh. 
Okay, so a woman who, back in 2003, um, who had lupus, was trying to explain to her friend she was out of energy for the day. Okay, she, she, so she said, I only have so many spoons, which means you only have so much energy. Right. Okay, like say, for example, the average person has 10 spoons. Use four spoons to go to work, two spoons for socialization, you give two spoons to your partner, okay? And psychic vampires drain your spoons twice as fast as other people, okay? Right. And with Kimmy, I can give her time, and I'm happy to give her spoons because she's a great, amazing person. But Kimmy got to freaking get her spoon collection under control. <laughs> Okay, and what's great about spoons, you, you go to bed, you rest up, and you get your spoons back for the next day. Do you but think when you say you're out of spoons, it means you're, you're, you need to take a break. When someone is an awakened psychic vampire, do you think that it's mm -hmm. important that they're selective of where they source their energy from, or can they? No. Okay, it's just from anyone. They could take it, and it's fine. Well, the, the thing is, is that, Every human being, Gaia herself, that thin layer of life force on this planet. Mm -hmm. I mean, just remember that the life force that's on the planet is in a, like a five mile, uh, five mile thickness on top of this planet. We are living, Gaia is an oasis. Right. Okay. In the, this dark, vast place. Okay. We have the moon protecting us. We have the electromagnetic field, the ozone layer. Okay, we have the magnum core. And all those interactions allows life to exist. I mean, Earth has been a snowball and a desert right. at different times in its life. Totally. Okay. And humanity, humanity is a blessing and a curse. Okay. But we're getting our shit together. We are going to be okay. And we got to go through a learning curve of coal and fossils. But that life force is an interaction of a bunch of energies. It's called the Krebs cycle. Mm -hmm. And a, what I am is not a psychic vampire. What I am is, is not primarily a sanguine. I'm a living vampire. Okay. And that's what Strigovai means. And I feed off life force. I don't go after your emotions. Okay. Marla Singer from Fight Club. I yeah. hope you've seen Fight Club. I've seen Fight Club, okay. yeah. I've read it, too. Oh, great. <laughs> well, I haven't read the book, but I've seen the movie 500 times. Yeah. Marla Singer is an example of a spy band. Okay. Okay. And Tyler Durden mm -hmm. is an example of a living vampire. Okay. So what okay. It, okay. So Marla Singer is always miserable and draining and everything like that. Psychic vampires are drawn to living vampires. It's like two, it's like apples and oranges. Right. Yeah. It's like narcissists and empaths. <laughs> Correct. And psychic vampirism, like I've tried to be a narcissist. I'm just not good at it. Okay. <laughs> at least you All gave right. it the it's, good old college try. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I, I've had ex-girlfriends call me narcissists because I'm like really focused on my career. That's very on brand um, for an ex to say though. I feel like that's a little played out, you know? <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, I went, I went to, uh, I went on a date a couple weeks ago with a girl that I hadn't seen since before the pandemic. And we were like, you know, I'm like, look, I'm focused on my career, but I really want to take you out and have some oysters and hang out and have a really nice, pleasant night and, and enjoy each other's company. And, be a little romantic. I'm a helpless romantic. I'm a vampire. I gotta be right. helpless. Yeah, totally. Okay. And uh, we, we, we went out to coffee to plan our date. Okay. We were like, we're going to have a great time. All right. So we went out into the desert and did laundry at my friend's house and had dinner. <laughs> um, and I was like, bring your laundry. We'll go out to the desert. And we were talking and I didn't know how versed on vampirism she was. Oh, she yeah. read like every book. And she's brilliant. And we, we managed to end up talking the whole night about energy work and stuff like that. And I mentioned that I was trying to be a narcissist. And she's like, you're the worst narcissist I've ever met. You're so bad at it. And, <laughs> and I'm like, great. Thanks a lot. And uh, 
she's like, I've been watching your career for years and, and stuff like that. But I, I'm, don't worry, I'm not a groupie. I'm like, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, but the thing is, is that psychic vampires are in every walk of life. Okay. They're at the office. They're in your family. They're in your work. They're in your social clubs. And they're drawn to positive people. Right. Like moths to a light. And a living vampire is different. A living vampire is a shaman, an alchemist, a magician, okay, a witch who connects with the flow of life in this in this world and understands the the, the flow of energy and doesn't want to make you feel like crap. Okay. okay? And what they want to do is they want to they and living vampires usually spell vampire with a Y to differentiate between them and other vampires. Right. Okay. Okay. And it's as much a philosophy, but at its core, a vampire, a living vampire is an alchemist. Okay. Transmuting one energy into another. Oh, that sounds cool. Yeah. Okay. And so Sanguinomicon, Vampire Magic and Sanguinomicon are two books by Wiser Books. I'm very honored to be published by Wiser because some of my favorite authors are published by Wiser. Wiser. Mm-hmm. And in, 19, in 2009, Wiser Books took my, my book and I wrote about how psychic vampires were very, very parasitic and negative. Okay. But there was ethical psychic vampires. And boy, did the psychic vampire community go up my ass. Uh-oh. Get on my ass. <laughs> they were freaking negative and how can you talk about psychic vampires? Now, one of my favorite authors, a guy named Don Webb, is releasing a book on May 4th, the 4th of the 4th, May the 4th be with you, Star Wars Day. Nice. About energy work called Empowering Energy Work of the Vampire. And Don has a different spin than I do, but it's very compatible. So if you read my book and then you read Don's books, you'll, you, you'll, you'll, they'll be in, they'll be in sync. He approaches it differently. Okay. Um, and vampires about energy and how the intent of that energy is done. Okay. Is really important. A vampire rides synchronicities. Okay. A vampire is a real being, but there's a whole variety of vampires. So you have your psychic vampires, which are a parasitic one. All right. And then there's ethical psychic vampires who are cool. Who are trying to help you out? Yeah. All right. Go. Hey, I don't need that many spoons, but I need a couple extra. Come on, bring on the spoons. All right. And then there's living vampires like myself, who considered a form of magic and energy alchemy. Okay. And we gather energy, but we gather energy from many more sources. But the most valuable life force is that already refined by human body. Okay. So we have an ethical structure in Strugabai about how to feed. Right. How to gather energy from humans. Okay. If it is external from the body, it is gained. Okay. Just like heat off of a human body is gained. Okay. Um, the human body is a miraculous machine that generates the highest frequency known of life force on this plane. Okay. And it's the most compatible with a living vampire's energy. And the alchemical refinement, when you take energy from a squirrel or a plant, you've got to bring it up the food chain and refine it. Okay. And you don't want that gooey emotion. You want the life force. Okay. Okay. And what do you do with that life force? You shape shift it. You alchemically change it. That essence of human life. Okay. You amplify it in an alchemical process known as communion. And you create an energy called ambrosia. And ambrosia is what the Greek gods drank to become immortal. They got it from their worshipers. Okay. Okay. So when, when you have three levels of energy gathering, you have ambient, which is the energy that's radiated by the human body. And that's why young vampires are drawn to cities. Okay. Because there's large collections of halos of energy around cities. Yeah. Um, you go to sporting events, political rallies, and what you do is you have to filter out the emotion that happens in these group gatherings. Yeah. Okay. And then you take it, what do you use it for? You use it for healing, use it for magic, for self-improvement, for 
for immortality, for astral projection. Vampiric astral projection and lucid dreaming is one of the most unique things that I've ever seen in the astral projection and the, like lucid dream, you start with lucid dreaming, then you move to astral projection. Okay. I've done experiments with living vampires that are like, I'll have full-blown conversations on the phone, go to sleep, continue the conversation, wake up in the middle of the night, have a FaceTime converse, part of the conversation, go to sleep, walk downstairs, actually have that person actually projecting like a freaking force ghost from Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that conversation will go from the phone to FaceTime to astral projection to sleep to lucid dreaming to, <laughs> to <laughs> we'll have an entire conversation and, it'll be and we'll create notes. Yeah. Yeah. And it will be a continuing conversation. What okay. do you, what do you think and, differentiates the, like the process to make it like I, vampiric astral projection versus just like, you know, witchy psychic astral projection? Well, well, witchy psychic astral projection is efficient in its own way because they're just two, two, two different systems. Yeah. Okay. Living vampires. Okay. Are. Since they're energy shamans, magicians, alchemists, alchemists, and witches, vampires with a Y. Okay. They, they embrace what we call the vampire current, which is the Hollywood energy. Okay. Which is the mythology. Okay. Because the vampire is the ultimate predator of humanity. Because you just don't believe in them. Right. But today with True Blood and Vampire the Masquerade and all and the, all these legends and everything like that, humans, Hollywood has seduced humans for vampires and gave us to them on a silver platter. And we go, we like, we have a symbi- living vampires, unlike psychic vampires, most psychic vampires, living vampires have a symbiotic energy exchange with humanity. Okay, just like, you know, we take the negative energy from the world and amplify it and bring it to a higher level. Okay, we, like, when I do an energy work session with someone Mm -hmm. and I take their energy, I know how to transmute it into a higher frequency. I know how to take their energy blocks and their, 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 their pain and turn it into something positive. Right. Okay. I'm an alchemist. So I'm a romantic. When you're doing energy work, when I, Mm -hmm. when I do energy work, I feel what I'm removing. So I give a report like this is what was happening. This is what I was feeling when I was removing your blocks. Do you feel what you're taking out? How is that experience for you? That's a very good question. It really depends on the intensity of the individual. Mm -hmm. Okay. But it's like a surgeon. You gotta you gotta do it strategically, right? Um, you go in. You know, vampires, living vampires, are very good at Reiki. Okay, they're very good at energy work. They're usually because their 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 energy body is already attuned to that and has the potential for those things. Okay, yeah, no, that so, makes sense. Yeah. So it's really easy for a vampire, a practitioner of vampirism, you know, you got to have the potential for it. You can't just like every, like, let me, let me address one question before I get to answer your question. A lot of people ask me, can you turn me into a vampire? (laughs) (laughs) Can I turn a puppy into a human? Okay. (laughs) You got, you you, got to have, I mean, puppies of course think they're people. All right. You can, you can do that. To be a vampire is, is a blessing. Okay, it's it's a it's a privilege. It's a very rare thing, but it doesn't mean that you're like, you know, you're you're given a gift. If you choose to embrace it or not, that's up to you. Okay, if you're a talented violinist and you're just not interested in violin, okay, you're like. <sighs> if you're good at energy work and you're good at transmuting energy and like everybody wants to be around the living vampire, right? Especially the side vamps who want that energy. Right. <laughs> okay. And we've had a plague of psychic vampirism in the vampire. Mm-hmm. 
community. Yeah. And you go out into the general vampire community and these people are role-playing and they're not even practicing vampirism. Uh, Imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Like they're like, they're, they're all worried about the community and their titles and their hierarchy instead of the actual practical ability to do energy work, to change the world, to transmute energy. Okay. I feel like that's, that's why I, I feel like that's happening in the witch and psychic community too, where you're just like, oh, okay, this is all like a, an image thing for you. Um, I think focusing on individuals over a community. Okay. And gathering, calling forth the right people and setting up boundaries and saying, I have standards. Mm-hmm. Here's why. Okay. I don't want that negativity in my life. Totally. Okay. With psychic vampires, psychic vampires are generally very weak. They're very easy to put in their place. Yeah. But the best defense you can have is to avoid them. Yeah. Totally. Okay. My friend Kimmy and her ethical vampirism. Okay. I tell her and she'll calibrate. Three hours later, she'll be feeding again. Okay. But I got a constant reminder. I love you, Kimmy. You're a psychic vampire. Be ethical about it and don't drain me. I need my spoons. Have you ever heard about psychic vampires targeting like people who aren't great for their energy to drain their energy? Can, can you say that again? Have you ever heard of like psychic vampires targeting someone who sucks? <laughs> like, you know, like just isn't a good person. Well, I'm sure Marilyn Manson's getting it right now. Oh yeah. <laughs> that would make sense. Yeah. You know, he better get his shit together. All right. And make some amends. Right. All right. You know, I, I mean, everyone is redeemable, but you know, you, you, you deal with a monster, you get a monster. Right. Okay. And, you know, you, you put yourself out there as a monster. Okay. Like the only, the only crime that Manson ever did to me. Okay. Was make do really shitty shows when he was drunk on stage and the amount of drugs he used. Okay. But I'm sure he's being targeted by psychic vampires right now because where is the most common place psychic vampires feed nowadays? The internet. Correct. And psychic vampires have been around since the beginning of humanity. Yeah. Okay. They're in the pagan community. They're in the, there's Mormon psychic vampire. It's not a religion. It is not a good thing. Okay. But it is a part of our existence. Is there, Okay. sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Is there, was there any sort of either self or group initiation that is common if you're trying to take on this sort of lifestyle? Well, when we go into part two of our conversation, (laughs) because we we discussed a lot of things about what the energy work of vampirism is. There's a whole world of positivity and empowerment out there about vampires. Okay. And we would have to shift the tone and we don't have enough time in this discussion to be able to do that. Right. Okay. Um, there's a story of how I had my journey into the vampire world, which is just an adventure. Okay. It is something I'd love to share because it's a, it's a experience that is holy shit that happened. Yes. And I would love to have a part two with you sometime. Yeah. Okay. Well, we can get into that and not even worry about psychic vampires. Okay. Okay. Good. Yeah. And, but it's important to talk about psychic vampires in the best places to find defense against psychic vampires, self-defense against psychic vampires is the unfortunate book, psychic Mm self-defense. Anton LaVey wrote an entire chapter on it in the satanic Bible by Avon books. Okay. And just avoid them if you can. Yeah. Okay. And call them out. You're a side damp. Well, I don't wear fangs and I'm not a vampire. You don't need to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Okay. I don't know hardly any psychic vampires that wear fangs. Yeah, they all are just pretty much bummers. They don't have any sort of pageantry to it. <laughs> no, a vampire with a Y has pageantry. Yes. Okay. A vampire with a Y will seduce you without seducing you. You will want to be seduced by them if they do it right. Right. Okay. You will want to give your energy to them fully consciously. I'm giving your energy to you. Do you know how many people normal people have offered me blood. Now I'm not drinking anymore. I haven't, I haven't done sanguine feeding since 1995. Oh no, 2005. Excuse me. Mm -hmm. Okay. But I still have the cravings. What do you but think? What, Sorry, go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, absolutely. Go, please. Um, Ask a question. What do you think is in it for someone to offer you, not just, not even just their blood, but their energy. Like if someone's offering you, some, you know, some sort of their source, what do you think they get out of it? What is that? Is it an exchange or is it just a feeding? It's a feeding. Communion is an exchange. Gathering is taking one way. Okay. And for some reason, okay, lifestyle or vampires, especially women, want to exercise their nurturing ability. Okay. I've had gay men offer, but straight men for some reason are just not really into being donors for me. Yeah. Okay. Now I turn down every single girl lady. Okay. And it's not always sexual, but you can see when the, I, I had a conversation with a friend of mine a couple of days ago and she was like, I, I, I have a feeling that you need, you need blood. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And I was just trying to be like, and she's like, I, is, do we have to have sex? And I go, no, it can be sexual. Okay. Just like BDSM can be platonic. Right. Okay. You know, you know, cowboys and Indians. Okay. Or touch football can be considered BDSM. It's an exchange of power. All right. But you can mix sex into it or not. And it's not always a sexual act. It's an intimate act, sacred act. Okay. But it's very, 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 very dangerous. And you need to do it with respect. And you need to not trivialize it. And it's one of the deepest connections humans can have. And offering yourself. Okay. is an enlightened, it's a, it's a, it's there is a high that comes from it. Right. Okay. Being victimized and being taken, but to willingly give is an exercise in free will. And the willingly give without an expectation of return is called sacrifice to make sacred. Hmm. And that exercise in sacredness it's something that is divine to the, to, to the matriarch. Do you, okay. Do you feel those connections that for the people that you've done that with, do you feel like they've just sort of withstood time? Sorry, repeat please. In terms of like the people that you've had that connection with, do you feel like it, that, that it's lingered, that it withstands time, that it's like, you know, when you're talking it, about it being so deep. Yeah. So I'm really careful on who I take from. Yeah. For that okay. reason, I'm sure. It is, yeah, it is not something that is like, uh, if you do, from my perspective, especially for sanguine, okay, I can walk down the street and take energy from all the kids running around and, you know, kids, you just put them to sleep. Um, the, uh, the life force energy in that prison, that is just like, you, you just, you drain someone and look at their energy back in an hour. Right. Okay. But blood creates energetic links that are deep. Okay. And I can control the people that I take energy from. I take blood from. I can control them. Their thoughts, like, because a part of them is inside of me. Right. Like, 
that's why it's very, very risky, especially for a living vampire to take blood. Yeah. Okay, because being a natural alchemist and energy sensitive, okay, it's not just like, there are sanguine vampires called sanguivores that feel they have a biological need to consume human blood. And it's completely scientific in their perspective. Okay, it's not energy work, it's not spiritual, it's it's just they need to eat blood. Right. Okay, that's not the case for me. Okay. When you have that connection with someone, it's not one way. Okay. And you have these energy links and it is incredible to experience it. To dampen and break the links is possible. Okay. Over time, they do kind of deflate like a hose. Yeah. Okay. But they can be reactive real quick. Okay. I would rather take ambient energy or surface energy. Okay. Which is completely disconnected from the person. It's just life force. Right. And so you're not draining anyone. You're just sort of like, it's what's up for grabs. Yeah. Especially if it's at a concert. Because yeah. I've, I've taken the energy of concerts and really re-released it with intention. Like I thought it was going to amp up my spell work. So that, like, that's not taking from anyone. That's like a collective. Well, that is still vampirism. Right. Okay. That's gathering of energy. Mm-hmm. And you're doing it in an ethical way. Like, like, you know, I, I look at these goth kids that try to drink each other's blood and like trivialize it. And I go out in the vampire community and I'm like, they don't even have standards of phlebotomy. Like, like what I don't do it anymore because of those deep connections. Right. And being a little bit of a, and having a little celebrity in my life. Okay, I'm I'm not A list, B list, or C list. I'm D list. <laughs> okay, is really important to be aware of. Right. That no, that's true. Responsibility for a sacred act, okay, is so important. When you have someone so devoted, like I try to create. buoyancy I try to control myself okay because when you have someone inside of you and you're energetically linked like that and you have three or four people okay you think Polly gets complex yeah (laughs) (laughs) all right you're having not just emotional reactions or emotional connections or or any of these things okay you are connected energetically to these people and like, so this young woman who came to visit me a couple of weeks ago, we're just friends. We haven't seen each other in seven years and we just wanted to hang out and I wanted to show her LA and stuff. And she goes to me, she's like, I have a boyfriend. I'm like, okay, that's great. You know, that's cool. But I really want to be your donor. And I'm like, Oh honey. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're going to probably fall in love with me if this, if we do this. Aww. <laughs> and, and I want you to have a happy, healthy relationship with your partner. Okay. I don't want you thinking about me all the time in that way. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So there's my responsibility and my ethics kicking in. Yeah, and if I, if I want someone to connect with me that deeply, okay. I have to calculate and weigh the decision, okay, and weigh the need that I have for the blood and the life force. Well, I also feel like you have to be careful because that would, I feel like that cord goes two ways where if they wanted to direct like negative bullshit at you, it would be easier for them, correct? Um, There are protections that I can't really discuss in the length of the conversation. Right. Um, It's not their right. Oh. Okay. You make a pact with them while you're doing it. Okay. That just like, you know, I have magical pacts with business partners that I won't use magic on. I can only use the muggle approach. 
Right. Okay. Um, I've, I've been close and had packs of witches. I call it a pact, like a pact with the devil. Yeah. Okay. All right. Or a pax, a piece, like pax romani. Okay. Um, where I keep this ethical structure. Okay. I keep this relationship balance. Okay. I can't, you know, being a person of ethics and values is a constant maintenance. It's a constant, you're going to fuck up. Okay. You know, you're going to make a mistake. Okay. And it's, it's not like you let your guard down. Okay. You know, you don't go repent like a miserable Christian, but you learn from the mistake and you keep going forward. Yeah. Okay. Especially when you're in a position of power, the vampire comes from the vampire with a Y, the living vampire comes from a position of power to everyone around them. And that responsibility is something important. But here's the thing that I really love that's gauged. The more power you have, the more responsibility it requires to maintain. And if you don't maintain the responsibility, okay, of the ethics, you automatically fall and fail. And it's like a kind of karmatic energy. If you're at the top of the food chain and you don't respect it and treat it with, with honor. Okay. You just naturally, the universe is going to fuck you up. Yeah, no, that, yeah, that makes sense. It's just getting that balance so that we don't have a bunch of villains running, running rampant, even though I guess we kind of do in some ways, but. Well, you know, there, there's a whole bunch of arguments and debates about that. And without getting political or cultural or anything like that, um, let's leave this on this. Okay. The living vampire, the form of vampirism that I practice, okay, requires an integrity of character for it to work. And I struggle with that every day to keep my ethics strong, to keep my values high, all right, to not manipulate people when I can do whatever I want. So what I do is I humble myself to keep myself under control. Yeah. And I really, really love people. I love being alive. I love being a vampire. Okay. I love fangs. Um, Today I'm going to make a couple pairs of fangs for some vaccinated people. All right. And I love the vampire archetype, but I do not like shitheads or unethical bad people. Yes. Okay. And I don't want their energy in my life. I think we can agree on that. Yeah. Yeah. So my business manager is going to be like, why are you talking about all this esoteric stuff? (laughs) Because it's it's what I do. And it's the platform for that. Thank you so much for coming on, by the way. I'm so excited for, we are, we are for sure going to do a part two because I want to hear, I want to hear more. I want to hear about like the witchcraft aspect and initiation aspect stuff of it. So definitely we're going to have to have, we're going to have to have you come back. I know you've got an appointment coming up and we're already at about an hour. So if people want to find you, how can they find you? Instagram and Facebook at Father Sebastian. Perfect. Remember that's I A A N two A's at the end. Awesome, and I'll tag you when I when I promo this on my socials as well, so people can find you that way. Thank you very much, Renee. It was yes. a pleasure speaking with you, and we got to make you thanks. Yeah, we'll do a trade. We'll do thanks for a reading. Oh, I look forward to that. Awesome. Let's make that happen soon. Let's make it happen. And then we'll have you back and we'll talk about all the good fun stuff again. Okay. Right. Renee, be well. Thank be safe you. and be lovely. Thank you. You too. Have a good rest of your day. Okay. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Glittercast. You can find me online at rainbowglitterstore.com for spell kits, crystal kits, house cleansing kits, and to book a reading. On Instagram, I'm at Rainbow Glitter Star. And for daily horoscopes and more podcast info, you can find me at The Glitter Cast. Mm-hmm.